Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you this morning. Um, I love this verse. We're going to consider uh, 2 Corinthians 3, and um, I love this verse. I was just pondering upon it, and um, <clears throat> my voice is a bit croaky, uh, but I feel like a frog. Don't worry. Where it says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Christ give us the freedom to worship Him, to come to honor Him, but I also want to recognize there are visitors in the house, and uh, if this is your first time with us, welcome. If this is your first time in church, welcome. It is a school, school hall, but welcome. This is where we meet, and uh, also just to a little commercial, I'll notice that there's no water. I was asked just to mention that, so uh, Donnie did that already, um, so I was just asked to do that. So, Paul's, we're looking again at Second uh, uh, Corinthians, and Donnie and Marky were two weeks uh, in succession, was dealing with how Paul was dealing with some matters in the church, and I would summarize that saying that where there is an agreement in, amongst brothers and sisters in the bond of Christ, where there's harmony, God commands a blessing. So what they shared was simply, if there's no agreement, you get up and you go and make an agreement with that brother in the bond of Christ. Even young people, if you didn't like the look of your friend, or the friend gave you uh, not a good look this morning, or in the week, you go and say, is something the matter? We are friends in Christ. I remember on a day, I went to someone's house, and I waited for this person to arrive. And as this person came to the house, I said, well, I gave him a call, I said, I'm at your house. And I said, I'm not going anywhere. I said, first and foremost, we are friends. We are friends. And that's what Jesus says. We are friends in Christ. And I waited for this person to arrive so that we could make amends to what was uh, the breach that was broken between us. And I just stood there and I said, let's do this. And that's what Paul started off. He started with dealing with some issues in the first part of uh, Corinthians. In the first chapter, there was polemic uh, matters that he was dealing with. And he's saying, we need to sort out some of these matters. And then he comes into the uh, second chapter where he's dealing with personal issues in the church. And now he comes to the third chapter. And now he's now have to deal with the validity of who he is as the apostle. So it's dealing with his credentials, who he's confident in, who's his efficiency, and also he deals with this transformation that is to be found in Christ himself. So my main point this morning is Paul's boldness is rooted in the gospel's power to transform lives into Christ-likeness. And my theme this morning is living in the greater glory of the new covenant. So living in the greater glory of the new covenant, I have three points that I want to share with you very briefly, knowing that time is far spent. Paul's credentials in uh, verse 1 to 3, and then verse 4 to 6, Paul's confidence and competency, and then verse 7 to 11 and verse 18, Paul's faith for Christ-like transformation. Now, just remember, if you don't know the story, let me just give you some intro. There were these guys, Judaizers, that were coming into Corinth, and they were confronting the, or confronting and challenging the uh, Corinthians about Paul's credentials. They wanted to know where does Paul get his credentials from, and what validates his credentials. And just remember, in that time, people would give a person a letter 
to validate if they're going, as it were, from congregation to congregation to validate to where they come from. In other words, they, somebody had to vouch for them to say that Jono, we would vouch that Jono is the youth pastor here at uh, Seaburg, and as he goes to another church, we're sending our youth pastor to you. Now take note, they didn't have uh, social media, they couldn't go on to it to check and validate this guy's credentials, so a letter or parchment was in the hand of the traveling minister at that time. But now they come and they, they're asking the Corinthians, hang on, what is the credentials of Paul himself? And we read this in the first uh, part of 2 Corinthians 3. He says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? And then Paul beautifully goes on. He says, you yourselves are our letter written on hearts, on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. Now, Paul's authority was displayed, or he writes it in one of these letters in Galatians, and I just want to go there, because Paul's credentials is just something uh, out of this world, really. He says, my authority for writing to you does not come from any popular vote of people, nor does it come through the appointment of some human higher up, some uh, apostle or some uh, rabbi. It comes directly from Jesus the Messiah and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So what he says is, I am God commissioned. I think that is so powerful. He knew who he was in God himself. He wasn't one of the original 12, but he was original because he was commissioned by God. So he writes this letter, and it's validated in this Galatians chapter uh, uh, 1, verse 1. And then he goes on to say, further to validate who he is and his ministry, he says, my validation is not in a parchment or document. He looks at the Corinthians and says, my validation is in your lives. Because the gospel that I preach to you has found root in you. Now you, in this, you were once pagan people. Now you have come to Christ living in the city. And watch what he says in the, uh, in the verse. He says, not only did the Spirit write on your hearts, but you are known and read by everyone. So wherever you go, people are reading you. People are listening to you. Because guess what? We are living epistles. So that's what Paul is saying. He's saying to the Corinthians, you are my living epistles. Uh, you validate my authority as an apostle coming into the city. And this was Paul's proof of ministry, not his credentials, not his degrees. You know, there are many folk that are like a thermometers. They have various degrees. They have many degrees. Okay. They can say, this is my degree, this is my degree, this is my degree. I can pull out papers of my experience, my, what I've done in ministry. But that doesn't matter. What it does matter is how lives that I've impacted and have been transformed for the glory of God. I was hoping to have my brother Aaron with me today. But he sent me a message last night. He was called in to come and work. So work is very important to him. Just to give you context, I shared with this guy about... In, in, in life, 
uh, message by just in behavior, how I conducted myself to him. And he came to work at my house. He was Muslim, if you want to know. Imlam was his name. And uh, on a day, he said to me, why do you do this? I said, because I read this in the Bible, and the Bible tells me to treat you as an equal. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And just because you're in a different earth suit, it's a different shade, I still need to show that you are, well, I haven't created you. I didn't put my spirit in you. God put his spirit in you. And then he said, can I come with you to church? So we went to Weinberg congregation, and on that day, he just said, now your actions and your words line up. I'm saying yes to Jesus. And he said, yes. He changed his name from Imlam to Aaron. So I would have loved him to be here. I was going to say, my validation is Brother Aaron. Not in all what I've studied. I mean, it's not about an academic uh, astuteness now. It's about seeing lives that is transformed. And then he goes on where Paul says, now it's written, this letter is written by the Holy Spirit. He says, you are now written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Let me give you an illustration. I've just, I think I left my pen. Oh, yeah, I've got my pen. So Paul says, I'm the pen. And he says the Holy Spirit, this is an analogy, is the Holy Spirit. So as we go and we proclaim, write the words on the hearts of people, the Holy Spirit makes an imprint on their hearts of the truth of the gospel. So there's a knowledge of God and His truth. We don't just come with knowledge, but we come with the knowledge of the truth of the gospel when we proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Paul is saying, the Holy Spirit writes not on uh, tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So Paul says he's the pen, the Holy Spirit is the ink, and he's making reference to Jeremiah 31, 33. And I don't have the verse up on the, uh, uh, on the screen. I'm just thinking this, where I'll read this to you. This is the covenant. So he's, Jeremiah is referring to something that will change when the new covenant comes into being. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people. Just remember, this is also referring to the tablets of stone that was given to Moses. Okay? That was a temporary thing. What happens here is something permanent, where the Holy Spirit writes the very law of God on the hearts of people. So Paul's credentials is summarized in this, where Paul says that his credentials is not in signs and wonders or in his skill set, but in transformed lives. My second point, Paul's confidence and competency. It was in the flesh at first, and you'll see that. He says in Philippians 3, verse 4 to 8, If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. So he could boast in the flesh. So he, he writes these words. He says, Circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. Wow. That's, that's a resume, second to none. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Not just for a knowledge of some rabbi, but for the knowledge of God himself, 
for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, as dung, that I may gain Christ. So Paul's confidence is in God who called him and appointed him and set him apart. And this is his credentials that he lives with. Verse 4 of 2 Corinthians, it says, such, chapter 3, such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything in ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of the new covenant. So Paul says, my confidence is in God's sufficiency. And because of that sufficiency, I'm competent to go and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we do not stand up and do things because we feel confident and competent in ourselves. Doesn't mean we don't become studious. Doesn't mean we don't apply ourselves to the text, to read the word. We do do that. But our main confidence is in God himself, in the Spirit of God to move us to proclaim the good news. When Paul comes into the pagan town of Corinth, he comes to not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he proclaims the good news of Jesus. What is the good news of Jesus? I had the opportunity to facilitate at five memorials, and it helped me to proclaim the good news there. You have to summarize it over the last two months. That's where I found myself doing memorials, because you have to get to the point. Hey? What we need is to understand that the goodness of Jesus is that he comes to die for us, he was buried for us, and he rose again to give us life and life eternal. And if we put our trust and faith in him, that's it. We have life everlasting. So Paul's confidence is in the sufficiency of uh, Christ himself. He's competent in the ministry and ready to proclaim with boldness. That is our main point. Paul's boldness is rooted in the gospel power to transform lives because it's in the sufficiency of God himself. I can't turn your hearts from uh, from stone to flesh. Only God can do that. God transformed heart. God can transform what is a hardened heart to a heart of flesh. You know, when Jesus deals with the, the issue of divorce, it's not in the note, I'm just thinking. He says the reason because that happens is because of the hardness of men's heart. Moses had to write a letter of divorce because of the hardness of people's hearts. There's no agreement. They, they can't find a working thing. So something becomes hard, hardened towards the other person and there's a breakdown in relationship. We never want that to happen. So as Christ followers, we want to have hearts of flesh that the Spirit has written on, the very love and law of God. What is the law of God? Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That is the encapsulating of the law of God. So in God and in the new creation, our confidence must be placed firmly in Christ and not in our abilities. As new creation, our abilities are in Christ himself. So Paul's faith for Christ-like transformation is, is, he, <clears throat> sorry, is initiated by Jesus' high priestly prayer. And we find this in John 17, verse 4 and 22, where Jesus prayed this prayer. I've brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And in verse 22, he says, and those that will come to me, in verse 20, 
He says, I also pray that the same glory that you gave me, that they will also have this glory. The glory that you have given me, I have given them. So Paul's prayer starts off with this. He initiates the whole um, um, thought around Christ's transformation around the high priestly prayer of Christ himself. I love the little verse that says, if you knew that Jesus was praying for you, I think it's Robbie, Robert Murray McShane, if you knew that Jesus was praying for you in the next room, how would you respond? How would you react? Paul knew the scriptures. So he knew that even this writing of the gospels, and this he brings into bear in verse seven. <clears throat> Sorry. Now, if the ministry that brought death which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of his glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? And he goes on to say, if the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, take note, the ministry of death or, and, and of condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness. For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what is transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Let me explain this. And this we find in Exodus 34, <clears throat> where Paul is speaking of a, a glory that is fading because of the law. So Moses goes up the mountain, he's meeting with God, and he receives the tablets of stone, he comes down, and the rest of Israel couldn't look at him because his face was a glow. It was a, he was a, a living glow stick, I think it was. Uh, his head was a glow. I don't know if it was like, I think the character on in, uh, Incredibles, the little baby, that fire just goes, shh, the head just goes on fire. Uh, I, I can see that. And Moses realized they couldn't look at him, and so he put a veil over his face to protect that. <clears throat> Sorry. And so this glory couldn't be seen by others. But we don't know that in the book of Exodus. In Corinthians, it speaks that this glory was fading away. So even behind the veil of uh, Moses, there was a glory that was fading. And now he compares us to the glory that comes with Christ himself. There's a glory that is transforming. A glory that cannot, cannot pass away. So Paul's faith in Christ-like formation is what we become when we look on the glorious face of our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Sorry. So what is this ministry of uh, um, uh, condemnation? What makes it very broad death? Sorry. <clears throat> I mean, just bring it to a conclusion. I'm being actually battling now. <coughs> Sorry. So let me just summarize just in where we were at. <coughs> Sorry. 
Sorry. Yeah. So let me just conclude. So when Paul speaks of the transformation and the glory of the new covenant, he goes on to say in verse 18, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the, uh, reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with an ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And so there's a formation that's happening. The transformation is the process of becoming more Christ-like, becoming more like Jesus. And so living in the greater glory of the new covenant is appropriated because of the death of Jesus Christ. And this new covenant is established by the sacrifice of Christ himself. And so our becoming more like Jesus is because who we're looking at, Christ himself. Look to him today and be encouraged that even in our weaknesses, we find strength, as Paul could write. Even in this present time of weakness, there is strength. <clears throat> Sorry. He said, even in our present troubles, our, our small, but they won't last long. Yet they will produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs even what we are encountering right now. So Paul, even in his present time in Corinth, is drawing us attention to the fact that living in the greater glory of the new covenant creates a boldness within us to become more like our Savior. <clears throat> I do apologize. I'm sorry. I'm just not feeling 100% out. <clears throat> Lord, thank you that we can come and just, yeah, <clears throat> even through the expression of your word, we do find that we can find our confidence and our competence in you. Thank you for the freedom that we have in your spirit. Lord, you be glorified even amidst the, even my own weakness right now in, in the body. You take all the glory. Amen.